Welcome to the Faith Talk podcast. We're excited you are listening today. Prepare to be challenged and inspired through today's episode. We pray that every fear is dispelled and your faith is increased as you hear the word of God. Now, let's listen in with our host, Caleb Schaefer. 1 Samuel 12.23 And the Bible says this, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. The King James Version says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. You have got to pray. You've got to pray. Samuel was saying, If I quit praying for you, if I don't pray for you, the people that I care about, the people that I love, if I don't pray for you, it is a sin. We don't think of prayerlessness as sin a lot of the time, but can I tell you, we have a command to pray. We have a command to pray in the Bible. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 4, whoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law for sin is the transgression of the law therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin that's James 4 17 sin is not the absence of law sin is breaking the law sin is when we do something that we know not to do or we don't do something that we know to do sin is is neglect neglect is sin Neglect is sin. The sin of omission carries the same weight in penalty as if you went out and committed a sin. What does that mean? If you went out and did something that you knew was against the word of God, if you went down tonight and said, you know what, I'm just going to live it up and I'm going to go do whatever I feel like doing. I'm just going to go do a bunch of drugs and I'm going to go down to the bar and get drunk. And then I'm going to go to the hotel with somebody that's not my spouse. And I'm just going to have a time of it. And you said, I'm going to go do that. Can I I tell you tonight uh, that those are sins, uh, but to do something that you know is wrong is a sin, but also to do not do something that you know to do is right is also a sin. A sin of omission is when you know that you should do something and you don't do it. What does that mean? That, that means that if you don't stand up for what's right, when you know to stand up for what's right, that's a sin. That's a sin of omission. You didn't go out and physically do anything. You didn't do something that you should have done. When God gives you a command to do something and you don't do it, that's a sin. And so we've got to get it right. We've got to understand commandments of God are not flexible. They are not optional. They are not suggestions. When God gives us something to do, they are not uh, uh, just an idea that, that is something that, you know, if you want to do this, if you feel like doing it, go ahead and do it. When God tells you to do something, you do it. They are not flexible. They are not optional. You can sin against God. God by not praying for your fellow believers. When we pray, heaven is moved and hell is silent. When we pray, we can shake 
mountains. We can move mountains. Uh, prayer should be an instinct to the believer. If it's an instinct to the people in the outside world, the people who don't know God, to cry out to God, prayer should be even more of an instinct to the believer. It should be more of an instinct to the people that have a relationship with God to cry out to him and to talk to him. We have access to the throne room by prayer. Imagine this, the CEO of the universe, the president of everything, the one who's in charge. He created the sun and the moon and the stars, the, the sun that burns hot, so hot that we can't even go there, will melt. The, the, the stars that we can't even reach in the galaxies, uh, we can't even count them. The scientists are trying to count them. They're trying to figure out where's the edge of the universe. They can't figure it out. They don't know. The depths of the ocean that we have yet to explore. Can I tell you, we're trying to go to outer space and we don't know what's on our own planet yet. We're finding new species every time we go into the jungle, up into the mountains. We're finding new species. We don't know what's here yet. The God who created all of that, who created things that are unfathomable, that we have yet to discover, that we can't wrap our minds around, also said, I want you to come before me to my throne. Come to my office and tell me what's wrong. Tell me what you need. I want to take care of you. God loves you so much that he said, come see me about it. Whatever it is that keeps you up at night, come see me. Come talk to me. We have access through prayer by the blood of Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 20, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And the Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. John Wesley was a, a young boy and he went to his mother one day and he had some questions about the Bible and he had some questions about God and faith and he wanted to know about the Lord and he said, Mom, what's sin? What is sin? And John Wesley's mother looked at him and she said, sin is anything that impedes the tenderness of your conscience. Sin is anything that impedes the tenderness of your conscience. If you feel bad the first time you do it, and then the second time you do it, you feel a little bit less bad. And the third time you do it, you feel a little bit less bad than that. Before long, you can start to do things without ever feeling bad about them at all. And you can start to, your mind, your, your conscience will be seared towards those things, and you can go on doing them. Sin is what separates us from God. God is our source of life. He is our provision. He is, he is the, the God that gives us all good things. Anything that you have, you have been given by God. The breath in your lungs, you've been given by God. 
the thoughts and the, the, the ideas that you have, the relationships that you have, you've been given by God, the blessings that you have in your life, you have been given by God. And God is the source of all life. But what sin does is it separates us from him. Sin takes us away from him. So why on earth would we want to sin and be separated from the one who gives us life and all the blessings that we have? We don't think about those things a lot of the time when we sin. We don't think about a, a holy God, a righteous God who sits on his throne in holiness. God is holy. God is holy. We don't think about those things when we go out and sin. But what that does is it just separates us from him. It pulls us away from him. And at the end of the day, we need to be connected to him. We need to be connected because Jesus paid the price though. We can get into the throne room of God and we have access to what God has for us. Matthew 27, 45 through 52 says this. Now from the sixth hour, there was a darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard him said that this man calleth for Elisha. And straight away, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put on a reed and gave to him to drink. And the rest said, let it be. Let us see whether Elisha will come and save him. And Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. We have access to the throne of God. We have access to the presence of God. Before this, the presence of God had been separated from man. Before this act, before Jesus died on the cross, the presence of God was literally separated from man. The presence of God rested behind a veil. The presence of God rested in a tent. And one man, one time a year, could go into the presence of God for all of humanity and try to make atonement for humanity. One time a year, everyone was separated from God. But when Jesus died on the cross and that veil was torn from the top to the bottom, the presence of God spilled out from that place where it rested. And God said, I'm going to fill the earth with my glory. I'm going to fill the earth with my presence. And anyone at any time that they wish can choose to come into my presence and have communion with me. Victory is guaranteed because of this act. Because Jesus died on the cross. Victory is guaranteed for us. And so, in praying, we are guaranteed to succeed. If we will pray, and we will have faith, and we'll believe God, we're guaranteed to succeed. It might not turn out the way that you wanted it to, but you're guaranteed to succeed. You're guaranteed that God will meet your needs, that he will answer your prayer. But it is a sin to not pray. It's a sin to be prayerless. We're committing sins of omission when we don't pray. Think about it. If we don't talk to God for our fellow believers, 
If we don't talk to God for the people that we care about. I, we go to the, the uh, nursing home down in Cumberland and, and speak a few times a month in the mornings. And we were talking this Tuesday about prayer. And I brought up the fact that there are a lot of people who only have one person in the entire world praying for them. You might have a family member that you are the only person in the world that's praying for that person. They don't have any other spiritual influence in their life. They don't have anybody else in their entire life that prays for them. And what a terrible tragedy it would be if you didn't pray for them. There might be a family member, a loved one, a co-worker right now that you're, you're spending time with, that you know that you're in contact with, that you are the only person in their entire life that might pray for them. So who are you not praying for that you know that you should be praying for? We all have people in our lives who we need to pray for, who we need to go into the throne room on their behalf and ask God to move in their life. There are so many people who are hurting out there in the world. There are so many people who are dying and they're, they're just falling apart at the seams and they need prayer. And that's what Samuel was talking about there when he said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. I'm not praying for you. Did you notice that Samuel didn't say, God forbid that I should sin against you by not praying for you? Samuel said that if he didn't pray, it wasn't a sin against the other people. It was a sin against the Lord. It's a sin against the Lord if you don't pray and go to God on people's behalf. And the Bible says in Luke 11, 9 through 10, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and everyone that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. We pray because there is something in prayer. We pray because prayer gets results. We pray because answers come when we pray. The soul deep in sorrow almost always cries out to some supernatural being for help. Something inside of us makes us want to cry out and ask for help. When God, our creator, gives his creature the power of thirst, it's because water exists to meet the thirst. When God causes you to cry out in prayer, that means that there is an answer for that prayer. That means that he has already made a way for you to have your needs met. He has already made a way for you to have that healing. He has already made a way for the finances to come to you. He has already made that way because if there's a thirst, that means that he has placed it down inside of you, that thirst. He has already then, therefore, made the way for the answer. And what a thought that we don't receive because we don't ask. We don't receive because we don't ask. When God gives us a hunger and a thirst down on the inside of us to pray for something, it's because he already has that in supply to give to us what we're praying for. In God's word, we are commanded over and over and over to pray. There are three mortal wounds for a Christian's doubts about prayer. The Lord meets all difficulties first by giving the weight of his authority. I say unto you, he said, 
I say unto you, Jesus says unto us, the first mark of a follower of Christ is that he believes the Lord. All we need to know is that he said it, so it must be true. If you're a true believer, you believe what Jesus said. You believe his words are true. You don't believe that he's a liar or a fake or a phony. You believe that he's real and that if he said it, it's going to be true. We can rest in that. We can rest in his word. We can rest in the promise that what he says is true. He is all powerful. He can work miracles. There is no distance in prayer. There is no, there is no space that he cannot reach. The Bible says that he is able to go places that we couldn't even imagine. The, the, the psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. He's everywhere all at the same time. He's all over the place. So while we're here in this room, he's down in the hospital. He's down at the nursing home. He's down at the funeral home. He's at somebody's job. He's everywhere all at the same time. And when we pray, he can work in that other person's life right where they're at. He can make changes in their lives. He can work miracles without the slightest degree of suspending any one of his laws. God is able to do whatever he wants to do. When we hear him speak, when he says, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given to you. Jesus said that. He said, I say it. I'm telling you right now. If, if the president of the United States, whether you like him or not, the president of the United States, he walked into the White House and the president said, I'm telling you this. Whatever you want in here, it's yours. You just ask for it and it's yours. Would you believe him? Would you believe somebody like that with so much power? Absolutely. So when, when Jesus tells us whatever it is that you have need of, ask and it shall be given to you. The one who created everything said, ask me for it and it shall be given to you. He is able to do what he said he would do. Jesus speaks. He made all things he made all things. The Bible said without him, nothing was made. He was there for it all. He created everything with his words. And words are so powerful. When we use our words to pray, when we use our words to decree and declare things, when we use our words to proclaim the word of God and speak life and not death, when we use our words to cancel out the attacks and the assignments of the enemy, our words are so powerful. But a lot of the time as Christians, we just don't use them. We don't use our words in situations or we use our words the wrong way. We use our words the wrong way. And when something bad happens, Instead of saying, in the name of Jesus, I speak life over this situation. This is not an end. This is nothing. This is, there's going to be no complications from this. I, I speak life. I speak that this situation is going to turn around, that this is not what it looks like, that this is not what it seems, but that it is something minor. It's something small. You know what a lot of the time people do when something bad happens? Well, I just don't know if we're going to make it. This might be the end. This is probably the big one. This, I made it through the last one, but this is probably it. This, is, this, this, 
that job that I just got fired from, that was the end of it. I don't know if I'm, I think the house is probably going to go back to the bank and the wife's going to leave me and the kids are going to go away and, and they're going to take the dog and the truck. And A lot of the time what we do is we start to speak doubt and we start to speak negativity. The doctor gives you a bad report. Well, I just don't know. They said that I only have this much of a percent of a chance and I only have this long to go and I probably won't be here next Christmas. And one of these days you'll turn around and I'll be gone. We've got to start speaking life. We've got to start proclaiming life. The word has power. The power of the word. What does the Bible say? The Bible say says that a tongue has to be tamed. You can tame your tongue. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. James said that it's like a fire. And he said you got to get it under control. But if you will get it under control and you will start speaking the right things and you will start praying the right things instead of speaking doubt and negativity, in order for us to understand that we have power in the word, that we have power when we proclaim, we've got to get to praying. We've got to get to speaking life. We've got to get to reading the word of God and proclaiming what Jesus said about us instead of going to the doubt and going to the naysaying all the time. Jesus testifies to the fact that your prayer is being heard. And then he says, you can be sure that this promise will be fulfilled, not only because I say it, but because it is and because it has always been so. Anyone who asks, receives. There is proof in the pudding, folks. There is proof that when we pray for something and when we ask for God to do something, He does it. How many prayers have you seen answered? How many times have you believed God for something and it has been done? It has been so. There are prayers that have been prayed right here in this room in the last few weeks that we have heard testimonies of that we're seeing testimonies and miracles of. Mickey, you're one of them. The prayers that we've prayed over the last few weeks, over the last few months, and to see you sitting here tonight. The prayers that we've seen prayed. Doug, you're another one that we've prayed for, that, that God has moved and, and he's ministered and he's, he's touching your body every single day. You're getting better and better. And we believe it. Gary, you're one of them. Any of us sitting in here could say that, that we are all testimonies of God's faithfulness to answer prayer. The very fact that you're saved means that somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for your salvation. Praying grandmothers, praying grandfathers, praying mothers and fathers, praying brothers and sisters. We saw a young man come to this altar on Sunday that, that had, we've been praying for him for years. And he came up to this altar and he bowed his knee and said, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. That's a testament to answered prayer. There's, there's proof in it. And we need to remember that, that there was never a true prayer that's been offered to God that he didn't hear an answer. There's never been a true prayer that was offered to God that he didn't hear an answer. Now, sometimes the answer isn't what you think it should be. But I know we've all got our lives figured out and we all can tell God exactly what he needs to do because we're so smart. You know, when, when we pray a prayer, we've got to be willing to accept the answer that God's going to give us. 
because we don't see the end from the beginning. He sees the big picture that we can't see. And a lot of the time we think we know it all. We think we can just tell God how he should operate and how he should run everything. And in our finite minds that mess everything up every day anyway, we think we've got it all figured out. But we have got to understand that God knows what we don't know. And he sees what we don't see. And when he answers a prayer different than we thought we, we should have gotten the answer, that is his sovereignty. And it's in everybody's best interest that he answered it the way that he did. An old Puritan said this, prayer is a cannon set at the gate of heaven to burst open its gates. In order to take a city, in order to capture a city, do you know what they had to do? We don't capture cities nowadays in the United States. We've captured cities in some other countries recently, but not in the United States. And what you've got to do when you want to capture a city is you've got to go in by force and you've got to take control. And that's what we've got to do. When we, when we see something that's not right, we've got to go in in prayer and we've got to take control. We've got to forcibly take it. The, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force, the Bible says. Sometimes you've got to get violent in prayer and you can't let up and you've just, just got to go in to the city and you've got to take it by force. Uh, if God is pleased to supply the beasts of the field, don't you think that he delights much more to supply his own children with what they need? He said, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. The doors open. The word of God promises us that he will hear. It invites us to come. God will not deny us if we go to him in prayer. He will not deny us an answer. We've got to believe that we receive and we will give him the praise when we receive the answer. Amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet with me tonight? I want us to close out tonight in prayer. If you want to come up and pray at these altars or pray around the prayer cross, I'm going to leave that up to, up to you. But I know one thing that we need to pray for is this country. We need to pray for this country. It is... I know that you've all seen the news and I don't need to tell you anything. I don't need to go on a tangent about anything that's been happening. But it's almost like every single day there's something worse than the day before. It's almost like there's just another step further, just another step further. And just when you think, oh, it's probably as bad as it's going to get. No, it goes another step further. Every day and every week, we're seeing things that we never thought we would see. And, and I think about my grandparents' generation and, and my great-grandparents' generation. And if some of them were around to see the things that are happening nowadays, they would be like, is this the America that we've we've fought for that we've given up our lives for that that we've we've sent our our family members off to war for and died for is this the america that we have prayed for is this the america that that we have we set up is this the america that we're all believing is the land of dreams and the land of provision is this the promised land i believe that it can all turn around, but it is going to take 
the power of prayer. It's going to take some praying people to get on their face before God, to humble themselves and say, you know what, God, I might not have committed these sins. I might not be the one down at the abortion clinic. I might not be the one who's trying to rip your name out of every single... I might not be the one who's trying to take your name out of the oath. I might not be the one who's trying to do this or that. But God, I repent for the sins of my nation. I'm here in this this great land and I appreciate the freedoms that we have. But I repent for the sins that we're committing. We've got to. Somebody's got to get on their face and humble themselves before God and begin to cry out to God for this nation. And one of the things that struck me so heavily when I was reading these chapters and as I was preparing for tonight was the fact that the Bible said, God forbid that I should sin against him by ceasing to pray for you. By ceasing to pray for this nation. When's the last time that we all cried out to God and wept real tears for the things that were going on. We have got to get into some real prayer. I want to pray for you today. And if there's anybody on this podcast who does not know Jesus Christ, I want to pray a sinner's prayer. Very simple prayer. You just call out on the name of Jesus. And if you need to know him, it's the biggest and most important decision you can make in your entire life. There's no better decision that you could make than to say yes to Jesus. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to have him in your life because he says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And as you call out on the name of Jesus, as you read your Bible, as you pray, I believe that you'll start this relationship with him. And it's going to be something that's going to help you through every single trial that you face. And so all that you need to do in order to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior, is just say a simple prayer like this. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I believe he's your son. I believe he died on the cross and rose again. I believe his blood has the power to cleanse me from sin. So wash me clean in the blood that he shed on Calvary. Forgive me of every sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message on any of my social media. I'll be glad to connect with you and encourage you. Friends, I thank you for listening today. Thank you for uh, for sharing this with people that you know will need some encouragement. I love you so much, and I look forward to talking to you again next week on the Faith Talk broadcast. God bless you. Have an awesome day in the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Faith Talk podcast. If you would like to connect with the host, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. Be sure to check out Caleb's worship albums on iTunes, Amazon Music, and wherever digital music is sold or streamed. If you've been encouraged today, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. May God bless you, and remember to tune in next week for another episode of the Faith Talk Podcast.